You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, of course, this wonderful show and join me on the other line because we are in day two of the Pacers not having a coach for the second time in eight months, Mr. Tony East from Forbes.com and Westside Indianapolis News. Tony, are you still employed? I am. I am still employed. Yes, Good. I am still employed. And I have been over the, co- the course of the last two Pacers coaching searches. So that's always good for me. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting times out there. And today we get to do what everybody wants us to do, which is come up with names of who we think is going to be the Pacers next head coach. And then if it's anything like last offseason, we'll talk about Nate Bjorkren for about four minutes on one show because Nick Nurse said his name on the radio and then never talk about him again. And then he'll get hired. So <laughs> we'll try our best to narrow down specific candidates that we think make sense and have been reported. And then we'll be wrong and it'll be fun. Yeah, so this is a pretty simple show. We're just going to – we've got a whole bunch of candidates on a list, and we're just going to knock them off and go down from – basically, it'll be from, like, ones who actually been reported as rumored candidates versus ones that are maybe, like, were last time, as in last year, and then maybe ones we have on the wish list of, in that way. Um, so, yeah, we'll start with the – I think probably the most reported candidate and the one that I think an hour after Brin got fired, people kept saying it will be the picture coach, and that's Terry Stotts. Stotts used to be the – Portland Trailblazers head coach as of about like four days ago. Uh, he has coached in Atlanta for two seasons as well, Milwaukee two seasons before then, and been Portland the last nine, I believe. His overall record, 517 wins, 46 lost to five, 51.5% win percentage. Tony, do you like Terry Stotts or not? I do like Terry Stotts, yeah. Um, he has his obvious weaknesses. You know, people have brought up his – uh, his team's defensive rating this year being second worst in the league. That's absolutely a problem. Even if he has some atrocious defenders on that team, and I don't think using just the defensive rating is fair, it's certainly a problem that his team usually is at least poor on defense. They had some good seasons that's, in the past. That's not always true, though. But I'm starting too negative because I do think Terry Stotts is a very good coach. He he does well with the Blazers. Have the Blazers ever underachieved to you? Like, never, right? And they always they had some good playoff runs. They made the conference finals. And then they ran into the Warriors, which – that is what it is. But hey, I think he's a good coach. He's done well there. I mean, every player who's come out of Portland has nice things to say about him, including Dame on the way out. Uh, and you forgot, Adam, Bloomington, Indiana native here with Terry. Oh, too. see, I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, went to Bloomington North High School, I think. Yeah. Wow. So it ties to the state as well. Uh, not that that actually matters with coaching as much as, you know, the player recruiting stuff. But yeah, so uh, he's coached around the league, like you said, Bucks. He, he, did you know he was an assistant for the Sonics? He goes back that far. But yeah, well, um, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I ran Nate, Nate Millen back in the day when Millen was a player. <laughs> yes, yeah. So Sonics, Bucks, Hawks, Warriors, Bucks again, Mavericks was his path with a few head coaching stops along the way before coaching the Blazers for nearly a decade before getting fired a few years ago. NBA champion, assistant coach uh, in 2011 with the Dallas Mavericks. So been around the block uh has great experience again it does the, the, did very well with portland never underachieved i get why people are averse to him i however think he's a very good coach so yeah also very good by, a stretch but like I, I put him in the top half of the league so if the interest is mutual uh well starting with we're starting with i think the best guy we're going to talk about today and that's terry stott i think he'd be an excellent coach yeah so he actually was the first coach in portland after mcmillan so they basically have back-to-back portland coaches <laughs> um, important last coaches that they hired him uh so his defensive rating was crap this year. But if you go back even just three seasons ago, 27, 18, he had boys with the top. They had the sixth rated defense in the league. I'm eighth. I'm sorry. Eighth rated defense in the NBA that season. Yeah. Um, 
that no, team is different. I, I get they had, they had Cantor and Mello and CJ and Dane these last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, I get, it's a lot of it. it. A lot of it's roster. I mean, that 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 team was led by McCollum and Lillard, but they also had Alfred. I mean, in that season, Nurkic played a full season, healthy, 79 games that year. They had Evan Turner, who was pretty good for them off the bench. Like, a lot of the issues defensively with the team, I think, had less to do with his coaching and more to do with just the fact that playing Carmel Anthony, who is one of the most like notorious worst defenders in the league. Well, I think, I think you have to blend the two because someone – so someone – I've had this exact interaction on Twitter, which thank you to this person if you're listening for kind of checking me here because, like, when people say, oh, he, he coached 29th rate defense, he can't coach defense, I go, well – his roster was crap, right? Of course, he's a better defensive coach than that. But then he was second. They were second in offensive rating this year, I think. But, like, then I have to do the same thing where I go, well, he had Dame. You know, maybe he's not quite that good of an offensive coach, and he just had a great roster to prop it up, right? So using the raw ratings, like, I get why they're helpful and what they tell us about what he can do with, with the rosters he's had. But you you have to use it both ways where, you you know, you keep it checked. But I think – I still think he's a better offensive coach than defensive. But in general, I think – the thing that stands out the most to me and like championship experience matters a little bit, but not so much to me as where he is coached in so many situations, right? Like he started it as an assistant in the NBA in 1992, right? So he's seen the NBA evolve and he's evolved with it. Um, he's coached various stars. He's coached at various levels, including assistant, interim head coach, head coach, right? Like a third of not a third, that's too many, but like a fifth of the league is franchises. He's been an assistant for. So he's seen a bunch of processes. He's coached a bunch of players. He knows a bunch of strategies. He's evolved at the league. So I just think that that tells me he's a little more innovative. And again, I've never heard a bad thing about him from former players. I'm sure there's something out there, but I haven't, you know, I, not that I know of. So I think he it would, would be really good. And I, and I think he's a great candidate and there's a reason he's near the top of most lists. So far. Yeah, and, and his firing doesn't seem like anything more than the fact that they've just had the same roster, same thing for nine years, and they need to change it up. It's same not because he's bad a coach kind of, or anything. Kind of. right? right? Like similar to McMillan, right? Like obviously McMillan's didn't yeah. – ending was poor, and he didn't do the best job in the playoffs, but like McMillan still did a good job with the Pacers. It's just they realized like, yeah, this isn't the right fit, you know? Yeah, or, you, you, or you fire the coach to, to – to, because you don't want to make your rosters too flawed to win. Or Dwayne Casey in Toronto, similar thing. Again, well, I guess that one actually worked out, but that was like quite totally different. Yeah, um, they got quite, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, no, I, I think a lot of times the coaches get fired because the co- usually are more likely to fire the coach and blame the coach first before you are to blame the star player and trade him away or try to figure out how to change the roster, right? Yep. It's, that's just the easier move always instead of just being like, oh, let's get rid of the coach. I mean, there's like this, probably this, this podcast has turned into opining about the Portland Trailblazers, but. Well, there's I'm probably for doing it. It's important context. Yeah, there's probably like three coaches in the league who could survive, like having the same, having a non-championship win over and over again because they've won championships before that kind of equity and basically out right. outlive players. But um, okay, so the next there's the other name that's been kind of floated. Footed. I think we should do Brian Shaw next because that was kind of I think at least Jay Michael reported that. I think that's one of the bigger names. He's actually available. Unlike the probably the third name we'll talk about and Coach Bud, who's not just won a playoff game today. Um, Shaw was a former Pacer assistant in 2011, 2012, just for one season. Then went to Denver for two seasons as their head coach. He got fired midway through the second season. Um, Shaw, I think biggest thing is that he was basically the coach in waiting behind Phil Jackson for the Lakers for a while. He was basically part of their entire, um, I think they're, I think he was on the roster for the first three Pete or at least a, a piece of it. And then he was a coach, assistant coach during the kind of the Kobe back-to-back years. And then they somehow went with D'Antoni instead of him. And yeah, that's what sort of happened. 
Yeah, his resume is impressive, right? Head coach for the Nuggets for a few years after the Pacers, correct? Um, coach yes. in waiting in L.A., coached the Pacers for two or three – I can't remember if it was two or three seasons. But So on BRF, it's one season, just says. But he also has a year missing, so it might have been in 12-13 as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he was there for their growth, though, from, you know, what they were to becoming that conference finalist team, right? So um, he was a key, a key assistant on those squads. And, you know, Paul George ended up tweeting words on his behalf when he got fired in Denver, right? Paul George loved apparently loved playing for him when he was an associate with the Pacers. And we talked about this yesterday, right? One of the credentials I think that could be important is a former player, right? Because the Pacers have been really lacking in that area. And Shaw coached the G League Ignite team last year. For those who don't know what that is, it's kind of like G League's new prep to pro path instead of going to the NCAA. Uh, and that went fairly well. I don't know of any communication issues we've heard from that. But if he can communicate with guys of that age, right, like he, he can reach the young guys. You know he can reach the players since he himself played in the NBA for a bunch of teams. Uh, I believe he was a champion with the Lakers, correct? Yep, th- I think he won, tw- he won 2,000. Yeah, he won three times with them. Okay, yeah. So championship player, uh, championship assistant coach, also with the Lakers. Um, Again, has played, has coached at various levels already as a head coach. Ties to the Pacers. His resume is like kind of exactly what, like if you were to like make a fake checkbox of like stuff you'd want, like he would check an alarming number of the boxes. Yeah. To me, actually, he's probably the best candidate the Pacers had. I mean, he's, I think the best option out there he's a guy who has a little bit of coaching history but isn't tainted by the fact that he wasn't able to meet whatever expectations were of him and i think that death situation was just kind of a bad situation right that was i believe that was like the year was like the year after they went 56 and 26 and completely blew expectations out of the water and then they kind of like that team never sort of won 56 games a year before then under, under george carl but they just somehow did i think as a kind of a f you to mellow that was the that was like the post mellow year <laughs> I, right and that's when they got they got like gallinari and a bunch of those guys from the knicks in some way, way. So anyways, I, I think the Denver thing is not a good indication of the kind of coach he is. And I think he, you know, I, I would have said like, he should have, he should have been head coach a long time ago and should be a head coach today. And so I think he'd be a pretty good fit for the Pacers because he kind of blends, I think a little bit of like the player coach, but also a guy who I think has learned from some pretty good coaches. I mean, he's been on the bench with a lot of, with a lot of good coaches um, back in the day, at least Phil Jackson. And I think he's been, was he on, was he on Vogel's bench for a little bit last year? I'm trying to remember if he was or not. I don't um, think so. I don't think so, but he's been he's a guy who just has a lot of experience with the Lakers and stuff like that. And I think he'd be just like a good fit. I admittedly know little about his coaching tenure with the Nuggets. Uh, you said that was after they traded Melo away. So I believe what happened was they traded Melo in 2012, and they got a bunch of stuff for 12, 13. You are went, correct. He did not have Carmelo in 12, 13. They went like they went 57 and 25, and they had this a crazy home record, and that team like. Yeah, yeah, he was okay. He was the Ty Lawson, Ken Farid, Erica. Yeah, exactly. And it was like that team wildly blew that pitch out out of the water, and then Carl got fired after they lost in the first round to the Golden State Warriors, I believe. That soon to be championship Warriors team. And then the team just wasn't that good. It was just like Carl was that George Carl actually a very good coach as part of it too. But that team was like bound to fall back to earth basically eventually. Yeah. So they went thirty six and forty six his first season, and then thirty and fifty two his second season. Although he got fired. Midseason after being 20 and 39. Again, I'll have to read up on that kind of stuff. But yeah, his resume is very good. Uh, I might have to go back and dig up some film or some articles about his time back with Denver. But um, again, if I was making a fake checkbox, and we kind of did this yesterday, of stuff I'd be looking for for the next coach, given what's happened for past teams, I think Shaw would check a lot of those boxes. And, you know, he's going to end up on my list as well. Yeah, he, he also fits the like point guard coach prototype. 
right? That's like yeah. a big thing of former former point guards who maybe aren't superstars. Although McMillan. Now you, have Na- now you have Nash, who's a, yeah. super, a superstar and is also being a pretty good coach. But like that kind of fits that prototype. That right. Has been successful at times. There also is the Jason Kidd, Derek Fisher's out there. So it wasn't always successful, but he's a guy who's putting his dues too. Like he's not just somebody who jumped from the league to a coaching spot. He is, he has been an assistant for a long time. Or Mike Budenholzer is the only non former point guard head coach in the Eastern Conference still left. Really? Oh, left. Doc Rivers, Steve Nash, and Nate McMillan. <laughs> and then I was like, I thought you meant like in the whole cut of it. No, no, no. Just just <laughs> yeah. So Mike D'Antoni's like, dang it, I'm the only one who doesn't have uh, Wait, out west. Did Monty Williams play or no? I don't know. I don't think he did. I don't remember. I don't playing. think he did either, but I don't know. Quinn Snyder didn't. I don't think. Um, Quinn Snyder definitely did not. Ty Lue did, though. Ty Lue, was Ty Lue played. Um, and then who's Point guard as well. What's the other one left? There's one more left. I'm looking at it. Monty Williams did play? Oh, did he? he? Did. And then there's there's Mike Ballone, who didn't, obviously. Mike Ballone did not play. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So a lot of the... This is good. Look at that. A lot for our, for a lot our of announcers. Former a lot of former players still alive. As point guards, to the former point guards, man, they just halfway the league. Okay, um, we got a couple more on the kind of uh, premier Reported list. list. Yeah, but let's do this. Let's like one quick break and do a quick ad break, and then we'll get to those guys. Because first, today's locked on Pacers podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra and our Ultra Moment of the Week. So we just got done watching the Bucks Nets playoff game, and my Ultra Moment of the Week for somebody who is. Uh, Definitely joyous at this moment. It's got to be Drew Holiday. Game, I guess game, like winning two, game extending two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it put the Bucks up 84-83. They ended up winning 86-83. Uh, he has got to definitely be enjoying himself right now after he has been the difference between the Bucks, you know, getting swept in the first round or near swept, but they were last year versus actually competing. And you can enjoy, just like he's enjoying the game, you can enjoy a Michelob Ultra, which is only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Michelob Ultra, please, it's not all about winning, but it's about enjoyment, because enjoyment is just the end of the game. It's the whole game. All right, so you want to go Coach Bud, or you want to go Steve Clifford next? Let's do Clifford, because Bud is still employed by a team, but we'll still get to him. Well, we're, we're, we're not under any tampering rules. We're not. We're not <laughs> I know, I just, I know. so. I don't know why I want to do that. Clifford's name has more been floated, was it? A Shams article? Uh, no, it was uh, Josh Robbins who covers Robbins. the magic for the athletic. And okay, that's it was Clifford an athletic article. I was, I was got let go. Yes, yes, it was very good. Um, but yeah, I described that he's, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but he was linked to the Pacers. Um, interesting choice. I, I like Steve Clifford. He, again, similar to Stotts here, actually, where it's like, you never look at a Steve Clifford team and go, oh, they disappointed this year. You know what I mean? And after here where the Pacers really did that, that's appealing. Uh, he he got the Bobcats when they pre Hornets in the playoffs uh, in his first season coaching that team and his kind of thing is like he really does not like to let other teams get offensive rebounds. There uh, these some of these Hornets teams were all really high in defensive rebounding. Um, so loves that transition game, loves the rebounding game. It's a very interesting style. It's like it's like so deliberate and distinct that it's like unique to him. It's not just like other teams. So they, they got four, finished fourth in rebounding like four seasons in a row in defensive rebounding under Clifford. So uh, as soon as Borrego takes over the Hornets the very first year, they fall to 22nd in defensive rebounding. So the way he coaches, he loves to push the glass and and try to get his team in transition. Now that the other team gets second chance points, it's it's very obvious that there's like a difference when you play those teams. Same with the Magic uh, when they would play the Pacers this year. I right? like a lot of those games ended up lower scoring because there were just fewer chances. So 
Um, he's a good coach. He's a good defensive coach, a little more defensive minded than, and than the two other guys we've talked about so far. So like Stotts, I think he's a good coach. Um, I'd have to be a little more convinced on his fit, but I think he could be very good. And again, I've never heard of a, a bad thing about him from a player or anything. And he did well with past teams, but I just think there are better fits than him, but if he's the best guy willing to take the job, it, he'd be a good fit, I think. Yeah. So he got a couple of things going for him. He, so He's had a top 10 defense in five of his eight years as a coach. That's impressive. With some the not awesome rosters. Yeah, I say, considering the rosters he has, that's like kind of impressive itself. Um, I mean, the, I actually think the the Malik roster was actually pretty a pretty good defensive roster, at least um, some of those years. I mean, Vucevic is not a yeah. terrible defender. Gordon is a versatile defender. I think he did well to get that team to the playoffs finally, too. Yeah, and then the Bucks. They didn't do anything when they Or not the Bucks. Right? I'm sorry. The Bobcats were just, I don't know, they were, I, those teams were so weird. They were like Kemba, but also Al Jefferson for a little while. And then some, and then, I don't know, they were just weird rosters. Um, the other thing too is I, is he the cheapest probably coach like to hire off on the market? Like, would he be the the, the lowest cost to get like into the I have no dollar, idea. Dollar I have value? absolutely no idea. Okay. I have absolutely no idea. It, it, I guess what I mean is he is the most, so outside of non, people who have not been coaches before, he's probably the one who, is like on the borderline between getting a job anywhere or not, right? Like if he didn't end up with a job at the end of this year, we wouldn't be surprised, right? Where I think like Stotts will eventually get another job. Um, Shaw, obviously he's kind of been going, like he doesn't have a job currently, so he might be. He, he has a head coaching job right now. He will be the head coach of the G League Ignite if he goes back to there. Yeah, know? and then obviously there's Coach Bud, who I think will really find a job in five minutes. So like I think Clifford, <laughs> of these kind of like established guys, is probably like, that looks like not to have a job in the years that would make him the most desperate in some ways and maybe the, the cheapest of the guys to get. Yeah, ways. I have no it's idea. It's a benefit in itself. I have no idea. <laughs> I know, I'm just kind of I'd be guessing if I talked about this thinking. I get what you're saying. And I think that I think the re- another reason for that is of the four guys we're going to talk about whose names have actually been linked like via reporting to the Pacers, he's probably the worst coach of the four. But that said, his, his resume is pretty good, right? Knicks, Rockets, Magic, Lakers is an assistant from 2001 through 2013. And then again, overachieving with the Bobcats and Hornets and overachieving a little bit with the magic, not a ton of play. I don't think he's actually ever won. Nope. Never won a as a head coach. Right. Yeah. Not. So that that's not really appealing for the Pacers. I think that's another reason that he might not be the dream fit for this team, but he, the stuff, the Pacers the, you know, when we talked about the pendulum yesterday, right. And not overcompensating for the stuff you, you stunk at, right. Like Clifford would almost seem like that kind of fire because they sucked at rebounding and transition defense this season. And he is immaculate at that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, you'd help the team, but like, are you overcompensating and then giving up something else that your team could be good at? So uh, again, I don't know if he's my, my perfect fit or, or number one, but again, I think he's good. Uh, he's done well with past teams and has not rubbed players in the wrong way, which is good. Yeah. I mean, I think he could help get this team at least regular season good again, which is right. What, I mean, that's honestly, that would be a win right now. Um, okay, so the other name who was rumored in a J. Mike Barco as well, and that's if Coach Bud, Mike Budolder, does end up on the market, he would be at the top of the Pacers' search. So the Bucks just won tonight in the playoffs, so they are now only down 2-1 in that series. Now I would still put the odds on the Nets to win that, that series, although we don't know how long Jay Harden's going to be out for, so that could definitely affect that all that. Kevin Durant's been been amazing, um, which might just be enough. Um, so there, I, I don't know, what do you put the odds, like 50-50? Coach Bud ends up fired in the next two weeks. Yeah, and, they'd. Ha- I think if they get it to six or seven, he probably keeps his job just because. I, 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 I hope the Nets realize how much better the or the Bucks realize how much better the Nets are. But, but I I would understand. Either. Uh, honestly, if they lost in seven, he got fired. I would understand. I would get. Yeah, it. I think it's just he's in the same spot as Stotts, right? Where it's just like yeah. you're not. You've done the roster. You're not going to 
do that, you're basically right. just going to change coaches and hope that that's, you know, the solution. Which, yeah, he was so close to the finals in what was that 2019, right? They were up two yep. Oh and lost in overtime in Toronto. Yep. I mean, if they, if they win that game and go up three Oh, I mean, that's insurmountable. No team's ever come back from three Oh before. So he well, was and, and they were going to run a gold state. who was going to be down Kevin Durant. So like yeah. they were, yeah. it could have been a championship team for sure. I mean, it's, it, it, that's the, like the margins you get at. So he, he's had some well, success. Yeah. But. That, that same year, the Raptors, right. Were that, you know, a bounce away from not being in the second and that covered files. The first remember play. when, even when McMillan was like completely secure as the Pacers coach a few summers ago and the Hawks, like go Boonhoser, I was just beating the drum of the Pacers hiring him that summer. Yeah, you would, uh, you you thought the Hawks so, kind of sandbagged him a little bit too. <laughs> I think he's, so I still think he's really good. I was talking to Adam before the show that like a little part of me has soured on him recently ish. His playoff stuff is weird. Like he still only plays Giannis, like McMillan number minutes in the playoffs. He didn't do that today to his credit, but you know, his lack of adjustments has been one of the more critical things for him as a coach of the Bucks. And when you look at his rosters, he's had, He's had incredible regular season success. And again, I, I still think he's a phenomenal coach. And if he is available, he would shoot very high up the list. We'll get to his background in a second. But um, he's had some incredible rosters throughout yeah. his time. So, like, his record is is what it is, both because he's a good coach, but also, like, holy cow, he's coaching some insane teams. Like, he took over Atlanta in 2013-14, and they won 38 games. They immediately won 60 the next year. That team had, like, Jeff Teague when he was an, at that an was all-star level. That was Jeff Teague, Kyle Corbin, Al Horford. Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap. Um, uh, Carroll was really good for those. Mari Carroll. Yeah. That was the five. Yeah. That he, I mean, but again, he got to Mari Carroll to be awesome. Like he, he did really well. He coached the all-star team one coach of the year. He, I think one, time. you know, to be honest, uh, as a patient, I have to say this, that was, if Paul doesn't get hurt that year, that was the Pacers year to be that team as well. <laughs> no, I mean, that's seriously like that was, yeah. that was probably the Pacers. Like if we go back to the last decade, the closest chance they had to win a championship because that was the first LeBron year in Cleveland. He wasn't quite all the way there yet with that roster yeah. but the course you know pg snaps his leg and last sleeps and that's it if you want to do the championship experience deal uh he was an assistant under popovich from 1996 through 2013 in san antonio so plenty um, of experience so ton- yeah four championships with the spurs organization coached some legends there yeah um as well I as think- right now coaching an mvp so he has a t- he has a ton of great experience and again I, th- I still think he's a fantastic coach he's been handed some excellent roster so perhaps his records are misleading. And again, his playoff success is what it is. Getting to the conference finals is impressive. We gave Stotts credit for that earlier. I still think we should give Bud credit for that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think what makes him a really desirable pitch head coach in general, I think he's really good at coaching rosters that are like um, in that in the middling range, right? And making them good. So he's able to take like a roster that has like good talent, but nothing, but nobody great and make it into a really good team. Because that was kind of what was so... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that was what was so like that Hawks event lost in the conference finals to LeBron that year. Like they were supposed to lose LeBron. That was LeBron James right. and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, right? I mean, they were supposed to. The he did that with the Bucks, right? He he kind of he came in and he the Buck Giannis won his first MVP was the first year, right? But it was before Giannis had really like that was the first time Giannis took office as as a talent. So he's very good at like coming in and like taking you to, to, to a level, I guess, is the right way to put it. And that would, I think, be welcome for the Pacers right now who are just trying to get over, like, the first round hump. And it's kind of one of those things where you cross the bridge with, like, can he make the playoffs work when you actually get to that spot, right? Really, like, right now, Pacers aren't even in the spot for him to screw up the playoffs because he's, you know, and they would like just to be there almost, they like to be in the dance, I guess. You know how close he was to ruining the Pacers' second conference finals appearance? With Carol uh, I remember that series. Elton Brand. <laughs> he was that, it was the game six away where I think, 
they David West dominated that game. Uh, there was like, was that a game winning shot by West? Oh, now no, I'm they like, won that game by 12. Game six, they did. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Really, I thought they won it by like less than that. They won game they, six oh, by seven. Am I looking at the wrong thing? Yeah, 2013 14, right? I'm classically. Oh, they won game seven by 12. Excuse yeah, me. they kind of dominated them. Game six was really close. I remember right. They won was, game four by three. Is that the one you're maybe thinking? No, of? I'm thinking game six, and I'll, I can pull up if I get the pull up. I, I can explain it real fast. I believe what happened was they ended up winning by seven because of free throws, but like it was a tight game until that point. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. It was uh, 87 85 with 35 seconds left. Oh, okay. um, and Lou Williams threw the ball away to Paul George. That's what I remember right. And yeah, that yeah, led, so yeah. that that was Bud's first playoff series as a head coach. Yeah. was that series. I mean, <laughs> so he he basically all too familiar. He basically drew the game plan for for he was kind of like for how to run on him off the court, and that ended up being what the Warriors would take just in general for how to like run centers off the floor. Yeah. So he's really good if he becomes available and the Pacers hire him. I'd be really, you know, what film I'd want to watch for him is having Millsap and Horford on the floor if the Pacers are going to bring back Termonis again. Uh, just to get a feel for what he can kind of do with two centers. That said, you know, doing that with Ibaka Gasol didn't really help with Bjork and stuff, but like the way he uses Brooke Lopez would like not work at all <laughs> with, with either Pacers center really. So I, I'd be really interested to, uh, to see he, how he, how was, how he's worked with past teams before and how that could apply to the Pacers because the Brooke Lopez stuff would be a disaster for Sabonis, especially. So that would be interesting, but I think he'd be a, a really good fan. I mean, I, I've been beating his drum for a while. I think he's a fantastic coach. I again, understand why the bucks might move on, but if the Pacers were able to get him, that, that'd be a home run hire to me. Yeah, I think he's versatile enough, too, to fix, to fit to the roster, right? He's not somebody who yeah. I think, like, he has a style, but I think his style is that he can maximize what you do, right? Yep. Which is, like, he doesn't he doesn't just need, like, he, I mean, he kind of reminds me of Rick Carlisle in that way, right? Carlisle can just kind of, like, take the roster and figure out how to maximize it versus, like, needing to play a certain style. So before we switch to guys we like, I kind of want to take listeners through something that I've struggled with, with coaching this, this process in general. It's been like a day, like a day and a half since Bjorkman got fired. Right. Not even it's been a day. It's been a day. And we, you know, I, we, we talked all last summer about like coaches we liked and what we liked about them and watch what they did with their old teams and stuff. And like, we get a feel for it. And, you know, I end up liking guys and not liking guys. And then Bjorkman comes in and he makes a lot of sense. And the things he says make sense. And his preseason games make sense. And like, Sometimes you you just got to see it with the team. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, the, us going through this exercise is important. Like I want to, I want a list of guys that I think make sense for the team and don't make sense. And I'm not going to be critical of the team, but I think I'm going to be less critical or um, I don't know what praiseworthy of the team either way with the hire, just because like you, you don't know until it happens in the games, right? Like you just don't know. So like, I, again, I think it's important. I think Bjork or you know, could have been better. I think Budenholzer could be an awesome fit. I think Stotts could be good. I think any of the guys we talked about so far could be good fits, but like you just kind of never know. So they're, they're going to interview a lot more people. Yeah. So that's what we're going to next. We got to have a list of like others, other Thanks coaches. Thanks for letting me opine. <laughs> Wishlist coaches. So we're going to do that next because first today's locked on page podcast is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We got the baseball season in full swing, NBA playoffs in the heart of it, the NHL playoffs in the heart of it, and Belon Daji is the place to go for all that action. It's always news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs from all the major big four, plus UFC, MMA. I mean, we're getting near football season. There'll be some future bets for the NFL. You can start doing soon as well. All kinds of bets. So before the next pitch, before the next layup, head over to Belon.ig on your laptop mobile device and check out all the great news. Sign up for bonuses and contest information. Use promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. That's L O C K E D O N. 
for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't send signs anymore as your chances to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. And we are also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is that amazing protein bar company we've been talking about for a long time this podcast. They come in nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time one. My favorite one, I've said over and over again, is the peanut butter brownie one. But they have all kinds of great flavors, including coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. They're great if you're trying to maintain or lose weight or just indulge in a delicious snack. Peanut butter brownie comes in 180 calories and 18 grams of protein. It's a great, they're just a great protein bar, and I, and I personally love them. And right now, I've got a builtbar.com from code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I think to start the wish lists, we have to start with Mike D'Antoni, right? Yes. Yes, right. I'm glad you did it. I was going to do it if you didn't. Because here's the thing. D'Antoni should be this Pacers team's coach, right? He is the, the right? Like, like in terms of like, like he's the perfect I, fit. What? Like, I think he he'd be, be good. I don't know what should means. I mean, he should in the sense that, like, he would be. would have been a good hire last year. Yeah, exactly. I don't know he, what should means. That's, you know what okay. I mean? that's what it means. He should have been the hire last year. I think he would have been a good hire, but I don't know if he should have been the hire. I don't well, know what he well, was asking well, uh, He should have at least been hired over the guy who was. I think he would have done better than Bjork. <laughs> yes, I agree <laughs> with that. I think D'Antoni is an excellent coach. He is the guy that it made me so, so mad last year for the word that we have banned for this coaching search that I have banned. Ah, retread. He's not, though. He's not. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's just not. None of the guys. We, well, maybe. OK. Yeah. Like you could say any of the guys we've talked about technically are, but like they're not. You know, they're they're more reflexive than that. D'Antoni is an excellent basketball coach doing excellent and he's an assistant role with the Nets right now has gotten success out of multiple organizations. He'd be a great fit on any team to me. Uh, I, I don't have enough nice things to say about Mike D'Antoni. We talked about him ad nauseum last summer. Uh, he's just, a, he's, he's fantastic, especially in the offensive side of the ball, of course. Did you hear that? My, my phone just started playing the NBA game. Sorry about that. Um, I did not hear that, actually. Oh, good. Never mind. Know. Started playing for me. Yeah. Did Tony, he he got run out of Houston by the management, not because he wasn't a good coach. It's like a lot of these guys. And he basically, because they didn't want to pay him, is what it seemed like at the end yeah. of the day. Like, he should be Another a former coach. player, technically. Yeah. He should be a head coach in the NBA just in general, like he's that good. And he would kind of be what the patient needed. I think the, the biggest fear if they brought him is he told me to trade one of the centers. Yeah, I, maybe. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, he literally might regardless say, regardless of you're going to trade one of them. Right. He could say that. Yeah. I did not even know that, that D'Antoni played for the Spurs. I would love to watch film of his basketball. Oh, when? Like in like the seventies. Did you, yeah. you were about to say the fifties, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I, I was doing my math. He's 70 years old. <laughs> I was doing 70 minus two, 2021. I got 1951. And then I was doing <laughs> plus 25. <laughs> yeah. Two-time coach of the year as a head coach, uh, 2005 with the seven seconds, the last Phoenix Suns, 2017 with the Rockets. So innovative with that Phoenix team, right? Took them off. Got Steve Nash is now uh, his boss to MVPs lesser good stint there with the Knicks pre mellow days. Uh, recovered a little with the Lakers, did a nice job uh, with the 76ers below Brett Brown, did an excellent job with the Rockets, obviously. So has done well at a majority of his stops, clearly has a style that works for him, fast, speedy. We talked about his the, the pace of some other coaches maybe not fitting the pacer, so he might have to slow it down a little bit. But you know, he's shown some reflexivity there with teams like the Lakers and assistantships with other squads. So, yeah, he'd be excellent. Like He's a great coach. He, he's got the Team USA ties, right? He's coached 
every level of player he's coached. So the communication stuff, obviously not a barrier with him, uh, which it isn't for any of the guys we've talked about, really, at least according to reports. But, um, you know, you, you can't, again, that's one of those things to go back to what I ended last time with. Like, you can't really know that till they're in the door. But, uh, yeah, with Antonio, I think he'd be excellent. And, there, you know, he'll be another guy that's talked about a lot. And, you know, uh, there's a reason he's the first guy we we're both going to bring up here. Yeah, he'll cost big, big bucks. Um, okay. Yes. I'm going to just run off some names. And I want you to give me, like, like your fastest, like one line of them. Okay. 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 So we have a bunch of names. And I don't think we want to go for 30. One minutes. word, one line. Anything? Give me one line. That's probably the best way. Okay. Right. Um, Mark Jackson. Uh, should not be an NBA coach. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think you should, anybody should read the ESPN postmortem on his coach job in Golden State for that. I think you should look at the same roster switching coaches and then immediately becoming a championship contender, right? Like, yeah, sometimes it's that simple. Draymond jumped a lot. From like Lloyd Pierce might get another job one day, but I think teams are going to look like Nate McMillan takes over the, the Hawks and they're just immediately way better. Like that's because Bogdanovich came back a lot of that too. Well, no, Nate's doing a great job. Come oh, on. he's doing a great job. But like big knock on Lloyd for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, timing. Uh, no, I do not think Mark Jackson makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do I Jason kid even worse. <laughs> yeah. Was he even <laughs> We're going NBA? in the wrong direction? Jason Kidd, another rare coach that got fired after one season, right? In Brooklyn. Or did he get fired or did he just move? No, he left. Did he just jump for the Bucks? He just jumped teams. Never mind. Remember remember he had the whole Spielgate thing. Oh, yeah. I do forget. Well, like Bjorken, he only coached one season with his uh, in his first stop with the Nets. But you're right. He did not get fired. Yeah, he's some questionable stuff like fouling on purpose up by four. Do you remember that when Jason Kidd thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I do remember that. That was a that was right at like the, the end of Sport Center's peakness where they were just like just ragging on him every other day. It felt like so I I don't want to just go too negative on these guys. Like again, the former player stuff matters. We're getting to some of the bigger names. Just- and like kid, kid ha- is demanding a lot of respect. Like Dame went out of his way to tell reporters, like, I want Jason Kidd to coach our team, which isn't going to happen, according to Kidd, but I mean, that, that is very telling. You know what I mean? Like, he get, he draws a lot of respect from players. That certainly matters, despite him not being a good coach at his prior stops. Uh, Mark Jackson, I don't know that he necessarily draws that same level of respect, but being a former player certainly matters a lot. He does from some corners. Um, I he does. Who, Andre Iguodala taught him really highly of him. Yes. Right. Um, okay, next name, Chauncey Billups. He'd be, I think he'd be really good. Yeah, uh, so we're another that, one of those point cards. I've see, named three straight former point yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. Go so like Kid and Jackson, a former player that draws a ton of respect, unlike those two guys, uh, has been a little more highly thought of in terms of his basketball mind and, and hasn't had like maybe he could be bad. Like the, like the, like those two were had some poor moments as head coaches, but he hasn't had the chance. So I, I would rank him higher than those two in terms of uh, higher ability. So I think he'd be good, but I think he'll probably end up in Portland just based off how the reports are going. That said, yeah, I think he'd be good. I think he'd communicate well with players. He got brought up a lot. Last year is apparently making it kind of far in the in the process. Um, again, though, he w- like he used to be trying for an executive, right? He clearly has a mind for the game and wanting to be involved. Yeah, he almost so got to a job in Cleveland to win Pamina. He's coaching against an assistant in a game I'm watching right now. So I think he could do a good job. Yeah, I, I like Billups. I think he's a little higher on his fit than either of the other two former players we just. My assisted. biggest not against him is that he's a former Piston who could his butt <laughs> a while and part of animosity that maybe just that just that's just more just sour grapes than actually hit anything personal with him. Chauncey Billups is one of the few people who watched that 86, 85 bucks Nets game. and was like, yes, this is the perfect score for an NBA game. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's do another name. You're probably down on Dave Yeager. Yeah, he got pretty far. Or I don't know if he got far in the process last year, but he he was reportedly somewhat deep in the Pacers process last year, I believe. He's, he's had good success as an NBA coach, right? He's one of those weird ones where he did 
um, clash with players, right? Which is a big problem for this Pacers team that's had two communication issue coaches in a row. I, wasn't it Jaeger and Marcus Saul, right? That had issues uh, in Memphis. Yeah, Tony, I, I asked for one line. Okay, I, I'm incapable of giving you one line answer. I know. This is, this is the, I think about this stuff too much to just be like yes or no. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, Jaeger's records are really good, especially with Memphis, right? 55 win season. That's really impressive. Yeah. The Kings season's not so much, although his last season there was. Everybody goes to the Kings and dies, though. I mean, that's George <laughs> Carl, that's that's Luke Walton. Their name is maybe not great coach, anyways. But still. Well, I think Jaeger's still like a respectable coach, right? He got the assistant uh, an assistant job in Philly. Uh, wow, Donovan Mitchell's phenomenal basketball player. Um, so he's a still a, a, a great coach, but I don't know if he's a good fit for the Pacers just because of the qualities he lacks. Is something that the Pacers just happen to need. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm. I'm but I'm but I don't know. All right, all right, we gotta keep moving on. Kenny Atkinson. Sorry, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson. like two coach. lines, two lines. Come on, two, two lines. lines. Kenny Atkinson's a good development coach, uh, but not necessarily great at the like the winning in the playoffs part of it, at least so far for his track record. So. Maybe good fit, but maybe a better fit in Orlando. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, the former <laughs> Nets coach. For everybody out there. He Harris Levert's old coach, actually. Two and a half seasons with them, three and a half. Yeah. He quit mid-season on a team. I remember that because he they were going to fire him anyways, I think. That was, yeah, was two years ago. He quit right <laughs> before COVID, right? But right before yeah. COVID. Um, I guess let's go with that far. Let's, let's just do some. It's like, what about Jeff Van Gunny? What's that name? Uh, he has a coach in a long time. He's a good coach. He's another well was coaching, coach. Coaching, was he coaching FIBA with them or under 20s? He was doing uh, that I forget what his last thing when he was doing was. It was one I of love the that teams. just so when they played the Pelicans, it could be coach versus coach. Can we yeah. go back in time to years so it's brothers versus brothers with the holidays and coach versus coach that are also brothers? That would be awesome. Um, okay, let's do some more. Like, let's do the I mean, it's kind of a, a name that's always been out there. I think I. Think she'll ultimately end up the Spurs head coach, but Becky Hammond. I mean, is what's what's the thoughts? Yeah, she'd all you know, she's always going to be a a, a a common name because she's so highly touted by the players on her own team and highly touted by the Spurs organization. I think she'll be a good coach when she is named one. And if that's what the Patriots, that'd be great. I think she'd be a great hire. Uh, minimal head coaching experience, but we've seen you know that that's not necessarily a prerequisite. A lot of these assistants getting the job, so I think she'd do a great job. Um, I don't know what her focus is for the Spurs. But I think she'd do she'd do well. She's like a lot of coaches we've talked about last year in the coaching search and this year, right? Learning from the Spurs has done wonders for a lot of guys. Budenholzer, one we already talked about. So yeah, I think she could do a great job. Yeah, I think two part of it is she's because. But I agree with you that I think the most likely thing is pop coaches another year or two sets the wins record. Yeah, he takes over. Well, I think with somebody like her, it's going to be a break to the ceiling moment, whatever whatever job she takes the first time. So she's probably being kind of that and trying to pick the like the 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 perfect job so she doesn't. Right. So it's, she has a successful run that coach. I mean, it's happens in a lot of sports when you kind of are like the first you have to you want to make sure you're like in the right situation, not just taking the first opportunity like some of the other coaches do. Yep. Yep. So I, I, if she's hired, that'd be awesome. I think she'd do a wonderful job. I, I don't know if she got connected or not, like formally last year with reporting. But uh, yeah, I think she'd do a wonderful job. Um, all right. I mean, we have this list of like some people, but I don't know they're all that like worth going into. I mean, what other names? Are out there that you'd like just want to mention? Yeah, if you're, I'm looking at the same list. It's just like Mike Brown, former Pacers assistant, reportedly wants to get back into coaching. Did he what? interview for the IU job? Was that a thing that was talked about? Who got hired at IU now? I'm trying to think. Who is that? What? Who who did IU hire as their coach recently? Oh, Woodson, right? Mike Woodson. Yeah, Mike Woodson. Okay, no, no, I know it wasn't him. I just couldn't remember. And it was a Mike. Um, okay. yeah, Brown was the coach of what the Cleveland Lakers and Cleveland before then. Yep. Right. Three-time NBA champions and assistant. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, also coach under Pop, Pacers assistant. I'm. I think he wants to get back into coaching. I'm not sure he's the the yeah, best fit or not, but he'll be a name that I'm sure we'll hear again. Yeah. Um. And then what? There's Darvin Ham. Who's he? Another Spurs assistant, right? No, Darvin Ham's a Bucks assistant. Okay. Darvin Ham's okay. Um. But yeah, he'd be great as well. Former player. Um. Yeah. He he'd do a wonderful job. He gets interviewed. It seems like every time there's a head coach opening, Darvin Ham gets an interview. So. And then, Would not be surprised uh, to again hear his name again. I'm gonna pronounce his name. Anyone right. else? Is, is it Ime Udoka? Ime Doka. Udoka. Another he, Nets um, assistant. Nets Just assistant. interview every Nets assistant coach. That's a good strategy for this coaching search. That's have you fair. seen their list of assistant coaches? No, I haven't. Who are the Nets assistant coaches? I mean, they have Ime Udoka, D'Antoni, Royal Ivy, Tiago Splitter, Adam Harrington, Jordan Ott, Jackie Vaughn. I mean, that's insane. How do they have that many assistants? Holy. You can hire as many as you want. There's no limit. Oh, the patients always just choose three. <laughs> Four, but yeah, four. So they choose they four like guys who are titled assistant coach, but they also have like player development coaches and stuff. They have more than four. I just you only yeah, I mean there's like four prominent ones usually. Yeah, that, I mean that's insane. Tiago Splitter used to play. Uh Adam Harrington's good at player development. You know, Dan Tony's been a former head coach who Doke has been linked to a bunch of jobs. Jackie Vaughn, former head coach. Amari Stottlemyre, I even forgot about it. <laughs> that staff. Like just the, the Nets assistant coaching staff is like hysterically good. <laughs> well, we got a lot of money, it helps. It does. It does. Yeah, billion billionaire owners are uh, are good for that. They're all billionaire owners. You mean like multi, 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 <laughs> multi, multi? Yeah. Sorry. Let me. Tens of billion dollars. Tens of billionaire owners. Yeah. Add an extra zero. Because they are all billionaires, Tony. They're all very rich men. Now they say like seven figures. What is that number? Like twelve figures. For what's his name? Joe Sy. I, I should. Twelve. Third. Thirteen is. I think we need to like thirteen. The, the Ten billion. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, the, there was a guy, Pat Delaney, who was an assistant in Orlando. I liked last year, who was known for drawing up some of the magic's plays. So maybe they'll interview him again. I remember being very high on him in the process, although his name was never really linked to the Pacers. So well, Chris actually. Finch was the name. It should also easily could have been a Pacer <laughs> coach, unfortunately. Excuse me. I want to give a shout here to one other guy, if you don't mind. Okay. Caleb Canales, a Pacers assistant from this past season, who was lauded well as a good assistant coach before coming to Indiana. It was a really big deal that he get hired to be an assistant under Bjorker and he has experience under Carlisle with the Mavs and then with the Knicks uh, before that and with the Blazers even before that. He was the interim head coach of the Blazers at the end of the 2011-2012 season uh, where he went in 15. He was actually the gap between McMillan and Stotts, ironically. Uh, and he was a Pacers assistant last season, so he's got that really direct familiarity with both the roster and the organization. So I would not be surprised to hear his name just because uh, he has that former, even if it was only 23 games, he has that former head coaching experience, very, very recent ties to the organization, and well-regarded as an assistant coach. And it, clearly a, a, a Pritchard guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the Portland-Indiana ties run deep, right? That's Well, it looks like he was assistant for four years in Portland, which is when... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, back to Pritchard and Buchanan's days in Portland. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like... It's not it's, it's right. ties. That's, it's, not, it's not like a... Not yep. like making it up is really is there are ties there. <laughs> yeah, the really ties more... make him also a, a potential candidate here. Like I think he'd actually be good too. I'm not just saying like he has the ties, he'll get hired, but he, he's actually a good coach as well. And and because he was literally an assistant for the Pacers this past season, I I, I would not be surprised if his name uh got brought up as a guy. Right. Well, I mean, that's always you know, oddly enough, I mean, right? The Raptors went in internal a couple years ago with Nick Nurse, nobody nobody understood it and ended up being the, probably the best thing they could have ever made. Right. So Sometimes you just you got sometimes you have the right guy in the building. McMillan, good example of that, sometimes right? Sometimes you have the right guy in the building, and then they go become an assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm just oh, okay, all right. I don't right. think I don't know if Dan Burke would have been a good head coach. I just wanted to. to he never good. really. I don't think he ever wanted to be. In the same I just way. want to make more jokes. I will, Adam. It was still, the, I think, the most embarrassing moment in this podcast's history when he coached that game in Charlotte. <laughs> and, and we were like, oh my gosh, this game's going to be like 88 to 80, and they gave up like 140 <laughs> points. 
and got he did, smoked by the horse. He did look a little bit flustered out there, I will say, in that game. <laughs> yeah, that. what was the final score? I mean, we, we've talked 149, about 139, 133, I believe. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so had, embarrassing. We were so excited about that. Let's see. Let's look. I'm sure there's a game. Uh, it was a 2017-18 season, but I don't remember exactly when it was. Oh, I got to stop them before we finish this podcast. <laughs> Riveting stuff to end this show, but yeah, we'll, we'll continue to cover this coaching hire. Um, uh, February 2nd, 2018. If you want to finish, uh, we'll continue to cover this coaching hire and, and search process as it develops. Like with last year, though, we we you know we don't want to just oversaturate with information on it, right? So we'll we'll continue to to provide updates as they are produced in reports and they come out, but, you know, just continuing to discuss candidates in the opening over time doesn't make sense. I think next Monday, what we're going to do is talk about like how it relates to the roster, what makes sense for the next coach, and then look at the playoffs and see what we can learn about the Pacers from teams still going on. But then until we get more information, we'll roll back into our uh, player season recaps, unless Adam has any aversion to that plan. Nope. I think good plan. They lost 133, 126. Yes, I found it. 133 to the Charlotte. That's the most points they gave all season long, I believe. Dan Burke let Kemba Walker and Nick Batum score 72 points. Yeah, outside (laughs) the first against the Nets, you let them score 131. That was. I remember they scored 49 in the first quarter. That's what it was. Okay. I knew there was a 49 in there somewhere. That was so funny, man. We, were, I was like, oh, this game's going to be awesome. Dan Burke's head coach. Like, they're going to no points. And then, yikes. <laughs> All right. What a yikes. Um, yeah, like Tony said, we'll have more podcasts next week. We're doing five a week, as always. So, check us out on that. I'll be doing Locker Room this weekend. I'll send out um, a tweet from the Locker Up kind of eventually with that preview. We'll obviously talk coaching, coaching, coaching. As always, you can follow our podcast at Locked on Pacers. Tony at TCMBA, me at Madam 5 that is all for his Locked On Paid Podcast, and we'll see you guys again on Monday.